0: everybody it's pete you remember that old seinfeld episode the the worlds collide episode Uh, george is dating susan and elaine needs a new friend so jerry recommends that elaine call susan and thus according to kramer and george worlds collide that is pretty much today on this show a little background in addition to the change paradox which i adore I have served as co-host of Taking Control, the ADHD podcast with Nikki Kinzer for about 10 years. Nikki's an ADHD coach, and we have been through a ton together over the years, Uh, and I have ADHD. ADHD is a funny thing. For those of us who've lived with a diagnosis for a while, especially if we're diagnosed as adults, it answers a lot of questions about our lives. It certainly did for me but adhd is one of those conditions that is never really fixed it's not cured your ability to navigate the world with adhd successfully is determined by the degree to which you are able to change your behavior to accommodate it and whether that's medication or alarms or whatever that can be hard to swallow for a lot of people So I connected Dodge and Nikki because the three of us in some combination have had this conversation at one point or another. And now I'm here introducing two of my favorite people talking about a subject that is incredibly important to me and I'm not supposed to speak who makes these rules. Anyhow, you can probably guess that I'm a big fan of Nikki Kinzer. I love working with her, and I love the work that she does to support others just as much. You can find out more about her, her coaching for adults and college students, and her groups at TakeControlADHD.com. As for the podcast, you can find all the links to subscribe or in the show notes for this episode, if you're interested in checking that out. It's called Take Control. The ADHD podcast, if you want to search for it in your favorite podcast app. And now, Nikki Kinzer and Dodge Ray.
1: Welcome to the Change Paradox, Nikki.
2: Thank you, Dodge. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Really glad to have you. Tell us a little bit about you and your story with with ADHD.
2: Sure. Well, let's see. So I started a business uh, back in 2008 that was a professional organizing business. So I actually would go into people's homes and help them organize different spaces. And what I quickly found out was that most of my clients had ADHD. And there were a couple of clients uh, in particular that I had been working with. And our relationship turned more into like what you would call a coaching relationship rather than just me organizing their space. I was helping them plan and helping them uh, time- work with their calendars time do some time management things and and uh, I found that I really enjoyed that type of relationship and so decided to switch gears and go from organizing to do ADHD coaching And, uh, went and, uh, did some different online courses and programs to teach me more about ADHD, more about coaching. And, uh, it was about eight, uh, let's see, after all of that, I would say 2014 or 2015, I got certified as a ADHD coach and, uh, have been doing that. I, I work with people who are adults with ADHD, so in all kinds of capacity, uh, with I help them with work, with school, um, family situ- or home systems, things like that, um, and then I also work with college students with ADHD as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and been doing it for a long time.
1: <laughs> Sounds like you're really enjoying it. In addition to being really good at it,
2: oh, I love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. I, you know, when I was younger, I always wanted to be a psychologist or a therapist. And I always have thought if I could go back to school, because I do have a four-year degree, just not in either one of those fields. If I could go back to school and do it all over again, that is that is the route that I would have gone. And um, the, the type of work I do right now is, it's not therapy. There is a difference between therapy and coaching, uh, but it is the same type of uh, service of helping people and uh, giving them inspiration and motivation and guidance, you know, to get to where they wanna be. And so uh, it's, yes, I absolutely love it. And then just recently this year, I found out that my um, daughter has ADHD. So we have it in our family as well. So I've experienced it as a mom with a daughter who has ADHD.
1: I'm guessing that's a very different experience from coaching clients.
2: Yes, it is. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: yeah, it is. It, it, You know, it's a blessing in one regard for sure, because I think her diagnosis would have been missed um, if I hadn't been so adamant that I think that she had it. Um, because when we first went to her primary doctor, we, they had us fill out some paperwork and had the teachers fill out some paperwork. Well, our. View of what was going on was very different than the view that was happening from the teachers, because especially with girls in ADHD and women in ADHD, because a lot of times it's inattentive. People don't see it. They're not, um, they're not the kids that are causing a lot of issues in the classroom. They tend to be quiet. They're daydreamers. Um, they're people pleasers, especially girls tend to want to just, you know, they'll just keep nodding their head like they're paying attention, but they're off in another land. <laughs> and wow. uh um you know i i could see the discrepancy because my my parent or, uh my daughter's teachers loved her they adored her and they're like oh no that none of these issues are going on and um but i was pretty sure from my experience that there was more going on than what they were uh really privy to because they didn't see her at home they didn't see how she was talking about school and those kinds of things and and had to push to to get her into a psychologist who did a lot more further testing it was pretty extensive testing and uh, came back that yes she was uh, ADHD and and you know as a mom and an ADHD coach I just am working really hard to have her um accept the the ADHD diagnosis, understand it. Um, and, you know, just it's just a part of who she is. So it's um, it is different. But in some ways, I definitely feel like it's a blessing that I'm here to help her um, when I need to. But I did tell her when she's going to college, I'm not going to be her ADHD coach. She'll have to she'll have to find somebody. We'll, we'll find somebody else when she's in college um, because, you know, it's different. Right. When it's mom. <laughs> yeah,
1: very much so. Yeah. What's interesting around this, when you talk about the work you do with ADHD, you talk about it in terms of coaching. Right. Mm-hmm. That. It's not a curing thing. It's a coaching mm-hmm. thing. It's it's really how to live with it. And part of what I'm intrigued about for the purposes of our show is what is the change process when you aren't going to change the thing you're living with? This doesn't show up with something like panic, right? The idea is to get to zero panic pretty much. There'll be folks out there who argue with that, but there is such a thing as never having a panic attack again. There is such Mm -hmm. a thing as not having another, you know, suicidally depressive crash again. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. There isn't really such a thing as ADHD just absolutely going away in most people's books. I mean, that's most people do not talk about it that way. It's it's now how are we going to live with it in a whole new way? So if it's not the ADHD that changes, what changes?
2: Mindset acceptance. I think those those are the two biggest things that, that I work with with clients because in, in my view, there's three sort of areas that I need to coach around when I work with clients. The first one is that they really need to understand what ADHD is and how their ADHD affects them because each adhd is a little bit different. And the thing that's so complex about ADHD in itself is that it's not even that people will have different symptoms. You can have different different symptoms in different times of your life or in different situations. It all depends on the context. It also depends on if you got a good night's sleep. Did you take your medication? Those things that, I mean, daily it can change uh, because it it's... Uh, it, it, just, it doesn't go away there. You know, it just all of these factors factor into how loud the ADHD is in that particular day. So it's important that people understand how their ADHD affects them. It's important to accept that it is ADHD. And that's the hardest piece is accepting that I have to live with this for the rest of my life, accepting that this is hard, accepting that I do need to have alarms to keep track of time, or that um, I know I'm not going to remember things, so I'm going to have to have some kind of system to document what I need to remember, because otherwise, I just, out of sight is out of mind, The third piece that we look at is then the strategies and the techniques and systems and scaffolding that that people need in order to manage their ADHD. So my goal for clients is to say, "You're, you're not trying to put a circle into a square anymore because that's what they've been trying to do. They've been trying to live a neurotypical life. And that's not the goal. The goal is to figure out who... You are what you need and, ha- and, and what kinds of systems will help you th- work with the ADHD because the ADHD is not going to go away. And I'm also very honest about, you know, being consistent is not a thing for ADHD. You have to expect that you're going to be inconsistent. So one of the things that my co-host Pete Wright and I talk a lot about on the show is that what's the recovery look like? So you may have a really bad day, but we want you to recover faster. And that's all about mindset. That's all about, you know, looking at this as I'm not broken. I don't need to be fixed. This happened and maybe you need to apologize and maybe you don't. Maybe you just need to explain what happened and and that's good enough. But it really is, you know, trying to get people out of the shame and thinking it's their fault. And that's so much of what I see is people immediately think it's their fault.
1: Say more about the shame. The folks I work with in my practice feel a lot of that, too. Mm -hmm. It's it's a huge piece and it makes maybe all three of those factors all three of those areas you work with people around you know including acceptance and the scaffolding that uh, that lets them build a life that works for them mm-hmm. really hard to do because when the shame is so heavy it's hard not to spin into self-attack or into a denial of it or or kind of be in the closet around it like they're they're doing everything they can to hide that this is something they're living with and even right. if you think about it just even the language i'm using right there makes it sound like this this bad thing it's mm-hmm. i mean it's it's hard not to experience it that way I heard even in some of your language, somebody who's got ADHD would have heard badness, you know, things like Mm -hmm. I need to be setting alarms all the time. And I have to have, you know, structured systems to remind me of things because otherwise it's out of sight and out of mind. Like somebody else would say there's something wrong with my brain. How do you help them with that?
2: A couple of things. I mean, I think, it again, it goes back to really understanding what ADHD is and how serious it is and i think that as a society many people when when i tell people i'm an adhd coach i almost always get oh i think i have some adhd yeah. and i'm thinking no you don't you would know you would know if you had adhd and and i don't have adhd and i know i don't have adhd I think that people think that just because they get distracted or they think that ADHD is just about distraction, is just about focus, but it's not. It's so much more than that. It's all of your executive functions are not working. And those executive functions have working memory, organization, time management, getting started, following through. All of the things that we need in daily life is being compromised. And so uh, we had Dr. Barkley on our show not too long ago. And, you know, one of the things he said that I just really took to heart is that ADHD is like the diabetes of psychology. It's that serious. If you don't take your insulin every day, you could die. If you don't manage your ADHD every day, severe consequences can happen. So I think that one of the things is just really talking to clients about this is not your fault. You ha- this is not your fault. You, you have to somehow figure out how to separate these things. If you haven't been diagnosed, and a lot of the people that I work with don't get diagnosed until they're older. So they have had these messages Sent to them from parents, teachers, friends, bosses, coworkers. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why can't you do this? Plus, all of the negative internal conversation that they have with themselves. It, it, shame is just so wrapped up into all of it as well, right? It's such a big piece of trying to deal with the ADHD. You can't ignore it. So, if somebody says something to me, And I hear the limiting belief or I hear that they're beating themselves up on something. I have to acknowledge it. I want to acknowledge it so that they can start to become aware of, oh, I didn't even know I said that. And then let's unlayer that. Let's really peel that apart and figure out what makes you say that. Do you say that a lot? What kind of situations... um, do you find yourself when you say that to yourself? It, it, how is that serving you? It, you know, is there another way to think about this? Is there another way of looking, you know, at the possibilities? And I'm not one to say that ADHD is a gift. I don't think my anxiety is a gift. <laughs> I would much rather not have it. Um, but there are a lot of positives about ADHD. But I don't even necessarily say that You know, that can just be people, too. You know, it's just if you're creative, it doesn't necessarily mean because you're you have ADHD, you're creative. You could just be creative anyway. Like and you have ADHD. It's like it's not it's not everything. It's not who you are. It's just something that you have and something um, it's a way that you think and process. So it's really trying to get people to understand that and accept that and accept themselves for who they are.
1: It's it's funny. I can hear it. Just in your language, some of the time talking about it like it's who they are and some of the time saying it's not who they are. It's just something they live with. And it it kind of mirrors their experience because um, I, I hear that I've got a, a lot of my dearest friends, uh, family, some of the, my just dearest clients ever like live with this. And it's some of the time a really big deal and some of the time we will laugh that it's completely hopeless but not at all serious mm-hmm. like it yeah it's a thing they live with and there is a lot of room still to have a really wonderful happy life but the more they're aware that it's there the more they can make adjustments um to know there are going to be some things they need help with, some circumstances where they're just not going to function at their best, some self-care that is absolutely mandatory and so on.
2: Well, and that's exactly it, is I think it's it's uh, knowing what you need too. So now, okay, I'm starting to understand a little bit more about how I think, what I need to be successful. So now I can ask for those things. So if I'm in a work environment and I know that me being in the middle of all of the, uh, oh, what are they called? Little quads or little you know, if you have a bunch of cubicles. desks, cubicles, yeah. I know that me being right in the middle of all of that is not gonna be ideal. So I could ask, you know, I know I'm gonna do my my work. I'm gonna do better if I can have headphones, if I could be more on the corner or more of a, you know, kind of a quieter area. Um, so you could ask for those things because now you you understand how, how you work and and be able to advocate for yourself without even having to say anything. About ADHD or not, this is just this is just the way that that you that you work. This is what I do best, or how I do best.
1: There are probably a lot of folks out there listening who are wondering if they're in this camp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I heard you say a little while ago. No, believe me, if you had it, you would know. That's not always my experience. Sometimes they they know something's up, but they've already found another explanation for it. Usually, one that they're really ashamed of, like "I'm just not that smart," or "I'll never be good at that," or "That's just not something i I can ever do the way my brother can." Um, yeah, and it turns yeah. out actually, they may have a considerably higher IQ, but it doesn't show up in you know in a lot of our our um. Uh, neurotypical world's way of operating. So it doesn't show up, that kind of IQ doesn't show up well in school because it's, you know, it's built for different work, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Tell us a little bit about the executive functioning things that tend to be uh, different. You use the word compromised and I flinched. And I guess I know you're right that that's to some degree that's true. Some of the time I see it the other way also. It's not necessarily compromised it's compromised for the activities our society typically values and it thrives in some really amazing other ones right
2: right, a, right. If, it,
1: if, if given free reign to live a different way, uh, it's not compromised at all, but given the way our structure works, where mortgage payments are always due on the first, let's say, you know their brain may not be uh, wanting to be in that kind of regularity.
2: Yeah, they might want to just pay it all at once and say, I'm done. So, <laughs> right. yeah, right. I mean, Bail there's a lot of you're you're absolutely right. A lot of that is is kind of based on what society sort of expects us to do or, or you know, how to adult, I guess. Right. Um you know, it's interesting when I say, I think you would know, or you, you would know, and, and, and I do want to be clear, because you're right, there are some people out there, a lot of people that just aren't sure, um, but I would also say if we were to have a conversation with the people that aren't sure, we could probably figure out some different I think we'd be able to identify the different areas in their lives where they feel like it's been different for them. It's different for them than it is for other people, and it's more it's more constant for them. So that's what I mean by you would know is that me being me doing this podcast and being distracted by something that is out my window right now. That's common. That that could happen to anybody, but me working and being distracted all the time where I can't focus on anything. I'm overwhelmed. I have too much to do. I don't know where to get started. I'm going to just kind of avoid everything. Those are the feelings that you're having day after day. And and you just, you know, something's not right. You're not functioning the way that that you want to function that feels good. Not even comparing yourself to anybody else, but just that feels good. So when we talk about executive functions, if, if somebody's out there listening, thinking, do I have ADHD? I think the first thing is to understand it's more than just about focus. Um, it's more than just being distracted. That's a piece of it. But I've also told, I've also been told by like a parent will say, well, my child doesn't have ADHD. They can play video games all day long. They don't have any problems with focus. Well, that doesn't mean anything because they're doing something they absolutely love and they're doing something that uh, they can't keep track of time. And so, you know, when the ADHD mind is engaged and it's excited, it can focus on these things all day long and, and they go into what is called hyper focus and what feels like five minutes to them could be five hours you probably have heard people who get into hyper focus and they forget to eat because they just don't think about it um the the time i think that's one of the biggest issues with adhd too is time if you have a hard if you if you have difficulty really figuring out not so much how long things are going to take that are... You don't want to try to estimate things that you've never done before, right? Anybody, that's going to be hard to do. But if you have a hard time even estimating how long your morning routine takes or um, how long something that you do on a daily basis takes you, um, if you have a hard time really just gauging... Any, any any concept around time because it's all fluid it's all kind of now or later or what am I doing right now like a week from now can feel like a really long time for somebody that has ADHD when really it's not because it's Friday and next week is like you know Less Monday. than <laughs> right, right, <laughs> but Friday can still feel like it's a long time. So, there's a lot of these little things that you can start to kind of think about. And I'll tell you one of the things, too, that my daughter noticed um, right away is that she came down and told me, Mom, I think I have ADHD. And I'm like, Okay, why? Why? What, what makes you think that? And she said, I just did a homework assignment with my friend, and what took her 20 minutes is taking me like two hours to do. And I'm like, okay, well, I knew that was a red flag. So any parents out there that are listening or yourself who knows that it's taking you longer to do things than it, it should or you expect it to, that is something to, to look at uh, mm-hmm. because it does take longer for you to do things. And it could be for a number of reasons. I think for her, it was just retention getting started on the assignment and then getting distracted because she loves to dance. So now she's dancing to TikTok and then getting back. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's all over the place, right? So I think it is just a, a matter of looking at the different symptoms, looking at the executive functions and where do you see yourself and and is it more than less than I say, you know, go talk to a doctor
1: Okay, so executive functioning can include a lot around time estimation and time management. Definitely around attention regulation. I've heard many people say this is a terrible name, and it's done a great disservice to call it attention deficit disorder because actually, it can be quite the opposite. Um, there can be a, you know almost excessive attention paid uh, to one thing, hyperfocusing, and then missing oh, a lot of other details while while there's a lot of focus there. Right. Right, which from the outside, interestingly, can can look like a superpower and can feel like one. Actually, can function like one. Like absolutely, um, I've seen folks with ADHD capable of depths of meditation uh, that mm-hmm. uh, most of us would find exceptionally difficult to get to, and they can drop into it and sink like a stone and be gone for hours uh, in a really deep state. Uh, which you wouldn't think of as somebody who's attention deficit disordered, but if their f- if their focus is applied towards something they care about or are really interested in, uh, they're they can be absolutely absorbed. Sometimes in wonderful ways, and sometimes in ways that cost them elsewhere. It sounds like. So there are a couple of them for executive functioning. Other stuff that that comes to mind. <laughs>
2: Uh working memory, I think is definitely one that comes up a lot, um especially with the students that I work with because they're they're younger you know they're 19, eighteen nineteen twenty they're younger you know young adults and and um they may not have had to use a planner or use a to do list to remember things, and so they just sort of expect that they're going to remember it i mean I've had people tell me that that's how they track stuff is in their memory and and um, not a great strategy because it's going to fail at some point. It's not going it, to, you know, something's going to happen. And it's a lot of stress to do that, right? I mean, it's a lot of stress to keep to try to keep everything in your head and hope that you don't forget. So one of the things that we'll do is is, is I'll definitely teach them, you know, what are some different ways that we could at least get this out of your head? you know so that you don't have to rely on your memory you can trust that this piece of paper is going to have what you need to remember and uh so working memory is definitely an issue and and it's one of those things too that you may remember but you're going to remember at the wrong time when
1: mm-hmm. it's too late
2: or you know something there's going to be some consequence so It helps to kind of prevent that as well.
1: Let me jump Uh, in for one sec. For mm -hmm. those out there who aren't sure what working memory is, um, in my experience, folks with ADHD may have fantastic recall. Like the hard drive of their brain works great. You can teach them something, and if they were present enough to encode it, they can remember it later beautifully. It's Mm -hmm. more like the RAM. It's holding something in mind and then using it, having it immediately accessible when it needs to be accessible. That's the harder part. So it's like if I give them a series of digits to remember, they'll do fine. If I say, here is a series of digits, uh, can you say those to me backward? Um, They have to hold all of the digits at the same time in their mind and then use them. And especially around time management or task management, that's really hard. Yes. Yes. It's hard to remember. I set my priority as this was number one for today. uh, And as soon as something got emotionally flooding about number six on the list, that became the priority, even though what they wanted to hold in their mind was clearly it's number one that I got to stick with. All I'm doing right now is number one. Nothing else but number one. Right. That's that's right out the window once yeah, they get flooded. Well, so. and
2: that's a, that's a perfect example. Uh, I mean, another executive function issue is is uh, and I don't know if this is actually fallen, It's probably under more of the um, organization, but prioritizing. If you talk to an ADHDer, um, logically they know that the fire on the stove is a priority and not watering the plant. But if they see that the dead plant is right in front of them, for whatever reason, they're going to want to water that plant before they go and take care of the fire. Even though logically they know the fire is more important, they both feel like the same urgency.
1: They both need water.
2: (laughs) They both need water. And maybe (laughs) I'm closer to the plant right now. You know, right. so I feel it's bad us. For the
1: plant, right?
2: I feel bad, right? Because it's a living thing, and now it's and dying. Because it so. <laughs>
1: yeah, I forgot last week, right?
2: I forgot um, last week. Yeah, exactly.
1: And the interesting thing now, of course, is like in that that I mean, I know that example is a metaphor, right? Um, right, right. And and part of why it's a metaphor is because the fire would be very stimulating, and so mm-hmm. what I notice about the folks I work with and relate to and am friends with for years and years um, is that. Under the right circumstances, their brain works freaking fabulously, but it requires more stimulation than most people's brains need. So Mm -hmm. if they're not getting a stimulant in the form of a medicine that feels good and works for them and is the right thing, they tend to then set up their lives to be hyper-stimulating. So they're either always late for the airport because that's the only time they can get moving. They can't quite zip that suitcase until they're 15 minutes late. And then all of a sudden, something kicks in and they're ready to go. They have to pack maybe the morning of the trip because they're under pressure then and the extra stimulation helps them get it done. Or they can't really quite get that term paper done until the adrenaline kicks in at 11 p.m. the night before and wham, now their brain is just, you know, working beautifully. Um, And... Some of the part that can be so hard is that they're not aware consciously they're setting up a super stimulated life.
2: And a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of I mean, once that term paper and you're, you know, is done or you're on the airplane, that crash of just being exhausted and yeah, is is not healthy. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Overpacked schedules because they get hungry and want more stimulation and then they've overcommitted something lots of us can relate to, but that can be more chronic.
2: Well, for sure, because you can have the, the people pleasing um, aspect of this too, because it going back to shame, if you feel like you have disappointed others and that person asks you to do something for them, even though you don't have the space to do it, you may still want to say yes, because for some reason or for, in some way, that's you making up for whatever you did in the past and you just don't want to say no. And so y- you start to overpack that schedule. And the other thing is that people always think that they can do more than what they can. And so they hope they hope that they can get this done for this person. Um, but usually, you know, something falls through the cracks right. or it just it's an all nighter and now you're really stressed out.
1: Or it's a 25 agenda to do list for Sunday right. because they really want to get to Monday having all those things done and they can't figure out which ones are the priority. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Exactly. That can happen, too. Yeah.
1: Check me on this. Um So ADHD is not an area of expertise. It just ends up being, you know, a a part of my practice because it's so prevalent in the community. It is something I, again, watch in friends and family and everywhere. I mean, it's and it seems increasingly everywhere. Am I right? Like, do you have this sense that it is it is more and more prominent? Yes. Okay. so here are a couple of things I want to check out. Yeah. One of them is. I've got a couple of working theories about it, and I don't know Mm -hmm. if they're even remotely on target. So let's just talk about them, see if they go anywhere cool. You could divide the brains of this world into two basic types. (laughs) There are both and brains, and there are either or brains. And either of these can show up in extremes. You can be pretty close to the middle, so you can function if you need to in the other person's world. But... More or less, your instinct is toward either a both-and brain that synthesizes things and puts them together, um, whether other people would or wouldn't, and or has got really clear boundaries inside between this area of topic and that area of topic. And potentially, both of them have real gifts they offer. The or either-or brain, kind of like the farmer's brain, as, you know, you've... I'm forgetting the name of that book but um, right
2: the farmers and the hunters exactly, yes exactly right what you're talking about. that mm-hmm. either
1: or brain is really useful for priority it's really good at saying i'm working on number 1 and therefore 2 through 5 are not not what i'm doing yet i'm going to finish number 1 and those guys just aren't going to intrude and it makes us really efficient it means you can do that piece of homework in 20 minutes not 2 hours right Because you can just do one problem at a time and not get confused by other things or distracted by what's out the window or, you know, need to go dance to TikTok for a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. And so either or can be really helpful. What I think I notice is for the both and brains, which would include ADHD in its more, uh, more intense form, the both and brain can put concepts together that the either or brain typically wouldn't right? When I look at my ADHD friends, clients, family members, like the kinds of concepts they can put together, including, by the way, paradoxes that often aren't seen by the other kind of brain um, Mm -hmm. can be really helpful, Mm -hmm. really creative, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. can be the kind of breakthrough we normally wouldn't see. Einstein, for example, in using EMC equals mc squared, was actually using, from what I understand, an old um, formula that was commonly known in his world of engineering and physics, Um, but he was using it to apply to uh, the speed of light. He was adding, he was bringing together a completely different concept that revolutionized physics because it turned out he could use that formula in an area where no either or brain ever would have thought to use it. Am I making sense? Yeah, that's interesting. Does this this sort of work for you as like a model for kind of one of the beautiful benefits of ADHD is it's just an extreme form of that. And the problem is it's really hard to switch camps when you need to. You can't get back over to the either or side when that really would be most functional for your task that day.
2: Well, yes. I mean, on on that point, transitions can be very difficult to transition from one thing to another, especially if what you're doing is really interesting. (laughs) Uh, You know, what I will see with, with ADHDers, that can get in their way is the all or nothing thinking um, in the sense that, okay, I didn't get done what I needed to get done in the morning. So now my whole day is ruined. Mm. I didn't work on this. I didn't maintain this planner for a week. So now it just doesn't work. So there's a little bit of kind of, it's either got to be all of it or it has to be none of it. And then I need to drop it. Uh, because it's not working for whatever reason. So when you're a creative or you have some big ideas, because ADHDers, they are, they are big dreamers, right? They're, they're going to think outside of the box because they don't even know there is a box. Mm-hmm. So they're going to go wherever they want and, and whatever they see. And so that can be so beneficial in companies and in relationships and any aspect of their life, right? Because um, they're bringing something to it that, like you said, that other side maybe isn't. Um, and then if you can get people to support the areas that the ADHD is struggling with, which could just be details, just basic little details that somebody else could pick up, you know, you could have a beautiful... Relationship there going on, whatever it yeah. is that you're working on. I mean, you know, so I think it's really understanding what your strengths are. I think you're going to have those strengths. I mean, ADHD will might heighten it in some way, but you're going to have those strengths anyway. I mean, it, you are you. You know, you you make up your personality and your creativity and all of that, um, and the ADHD is there to process, but, but you're still you have all these great things that could be ADHD related or not. We don't really know. I mean, we don't know if you're a creative person naturally or does the ADHD somehow make you more creative? We don't know. I mean, there's no way of really knowing that. So embrace who you are, embrace, you know, those strengths and and what you can do and focus on what you are getting done and really work um, on that negative uh, spiral when it comes being able to identify it. And, and, you know, one time Pete and I did a show and it was so resonated with me. And I just, I'll never forget what she said. We had a guest on and she, we were talking about limiting beliefs and she was saying, you know, as humans, we all have limiting beliefs. We're all, they're here to protect us because they're protecting us from something, something that we're fearing, something that we're afraid of, right? Um, but when you can start to identify those limiting beliefs, when you can start to, to stand up to them and say, you know what, I, thanks, thanks for being here. Thank you for trying to protect me, but I don't need this kind of protection. I'm going to look at some of these op- other opportunities, other possibilities. Then those limiting beliefs become less loud. They, they don't come to us as often, they still show up because we're human, uh, but we can start to not believe them every single time they come, hmm. and so I'm not sure where that came from with what you just said, but <laughs> hopefully <laughs> hopefully listeners will get some value from that.
1: <laughs> Tell me about some success stories, like what's working and And what kind of difference does it make? The ADHD is not going away, but like what's working and where do you see breakthroughs happen?
2: Uh, It's all in mindset is where I see the breakthroughs happen. Um, I work a lot with clients who have, you know, I work a lot with strategies. I work a lot about with systems. I, I help people set things up you know, all kinds of stuff. That's all great and it's fun and it helps them and they feel better and they feel confident. But what really um, makes me smile is when somebody will come to me and say, yeah, this happened, but I didn't beat myself up over it. Mm-hmm. Um, or when a client says, you have helped me understand my brain um, help me understand I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Um, you know, that level of acceptance. And so I see those in group coaching. I see it. I, I've, I've done some work recently with women and ADHD, and we dug pretty deep into a book that really, uh, it's a radical acceptance of ADHD is sort of the approach that it takes. And, um, you know, really t- looking deep at our beliefs and how we look at ourselves and what we deserve and, and believing that you deserve a happy life, believing that just because you have challenges doesn't mean that you shouldn't be happy or that you should settle for anything less. You know, I think that um, it's, it's when I hear somebody advocating for themselves, I had a client who was, uh, working on, um, her master's and she went to her professor and said, you know, these are the extensions I need. This is why, um, and she got them because she, you know, she advocated for herself. She didn't apologize. She just said, this is what I need. and, And she was able to do that. So, um, it's that transformation that I feel like, okay, we've done the work that we needed to do. If they, if they can see that they can recover, they can see they're not broken. They can see that I don't need to be fixed. I, I, uh, I can work with this and it's okay if I have a bad day. It's, you know, and I, I, and I also think it's important uh, when I see transformation, it's, also because they've support they they've surrounded themselves with a really strong support group whether that be me as their coach a really good therapist psychiatrist a spouse who understands or a partner who understands friends who understand but also connecting with other ADHDers is probably one of the biggest things that people can do is connect with other people to know that they're not by themselves. They can talk freely about their ADHD, not feel stupid, not be embarrassed and not have to explain or say sorry. So if you can get into a group or a, a community like that, that in itself can make your life better because you're, you're, you're not carrying it by yourself. And I'll tell you one more thing, Dodge, that's really tough. Because I don't do marriage counseling, I don't do any kind of relationship work. I, I almost always say you need to, to talk to a therapist when it comes to that but i I did have a conversation with somebody once who her husband was upset with her because she didn't give him eye contact when she was talking about something serious, and he felt like that was her ignoring him and I and he wanted her to change that. And I told her, I said, you know, one of the things you might want to let him understand is that I wear glasses. But Dodge, just because you don't want me to wear glasses because you don't like it, doesn't mean that I, I can't stop wearing glasses or I can't see. So you're asking me to change something that I can't change. So I don't know what she did with that. And I wasn't trying to like dismiss what he was saying or, you know, what I mean, communication spouses, huh, huge mess, <laughs> mm. lots of things can go on there. But I think it's important for, for people to express to their loved ones that this is something I, there are some pieces that I'm just not going to be able to change. I'm probably going to be running late. Every once in a while I'm going to do my best To stay on track And do You know Do everything I can But I also can't have you Shame me every single time That it doesn't work that way Because there are just Going to be times That it doesn't
1: Yeah
2: You know So It's not only Accepting Yourself But it's also You know Surrounding yourself With people who accept you And support you Lift you up Is really important
1: it sounds like you're doing some really cool work around a new coaching group where you meet twice a week instead of once. You meet Monday mornings and then Thursday afternoons so that there's some accountability and bookends for that particular week. And I gather it isn't mm-hmm. just the accountability part. It's like there's a there's almost like a borrowed ego strength, like. I know for a lot of folks who are working with executive functioning issues, and they can be even temporary. They can be the executive functioning mm-hmm. issues that go with, I'm exhausted, or I'm really f- stressed out. But they'll find they can pack a suitcase better if somebody else sits with them. Or they can write that job, that, let's say, college essay, if somebody else meets them at the coffee, sh- coffee shop and writes one also. Um there's something about kind of a, there's like, there's something stabilizing and grounding, and you can almost borrow some executive functioning power in when somebody else is near you or working with you. And it sounds like that can also extend over time, that if you've got a bookended group like that, their week has got some holding. Um, Am I getting that?
2: Absolutely, and you know accountability. I I hate to call them accountability um, people. I mean, it's accountability, but it's it's also body doubling, is what you're explaining. And the reason I don't love the word accountability is it 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 feels a little bit like you're doing it for right, somebody right, else. Right. I don't like that either. You know. Yeah. And there's just something about that that like, and and I always tell my clients that I'm going to check in with you. I'm going to ask you how things are going, but this isn't because I'm, you know, following up in a way that's judgmental or you're going to get in trouble if you didn't do something right. You know, it's not like that. Uh, But body doubling, what it does for folks with ADHD and does for folks without ADHD This is actually a great strategy for like people anxiety. of all brains. Right. Yes. Um, is if you can work with someone um, or a group of people and it, on Zoom, because that's, you know, where we are right now. Y'all you have your uh, videos on and you guys have are on mute and you're just working. It's an amazing, magical thing about how much you can get done. Fascinating. I think it's having this. It is. It is totally fascinating. I would love to know the science of why this works, but it does. And it's uh, it's having people there with you. They're not even talking to you. You don't even know what their name is necessarily, but they're there with you and they're doing something. And I think because they're all part of the ADHD community, they all get how hard this is and how helpful this is. Um, and in the group that I'm going to be doing uh, in January, What I hope is that people are going to have a space where they can plan and not feel stupid. Yeah. Not feel like, oh, I, I should do this on my own. Well, you know what? It's hard. It's hard. And that's okay. So let's walk through you know, some of these things that we need to look at on how to help plan your week and and use me as a, p- a person you can ask questions to and I can guide you and get you something that that feels good and then continue, you know, on Thursday, it's going to be more about weekend planning, you know, unstructured time is very difficult with people with ADHD because it's too much. It's like, I have so much time and so much to do and I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to, you know, go watch netflix which i've been guilty of right
1: or or (laughs) Um, hyper focus on that one emotionally charged thing that that catches their attention and before they know it two of the three hours are gone yeah yeah
2: yeah
1: for some folks i work with it's been really reassuring to hear that it's not just a matter of figuring out not how not to criticize themselves for their compromised brain but to recognize that like extraordinary achievements are very much possible with this. Have, are there famous folks out there oh, that you yes. think of that have gone on to do wonderful things in the world this way and not just kind of coped?
2: I think I know that there's famous people that have ADHD. I mean, we know that um, Adam Levine from Maroon 5 has has ADHD. Ty, I uh, can't remember his last name, but he was on the home um Improvement Show um, has ADHD. Um, you know, there's lots of people. Justin Timberlake has has said he has it. I mean, there's lots of people that have. Um, but I'll tell you... There are so many just ordinary, non-famous people who are thriving with ADHD. It's not a hopeless situation. You can, you can do whatever you want to do. You're just going to have a different way of getting there, and that's how you. You know, that's how I explain it to people: is that let's say, you know, you and I are going on the same destination. I may have this linear way of getting there, but you may have um, this different back road going to go visit this i'm going to go stop here or whatever way that you want to do it but we get to the same destination it doesn't have to hold you back again because if you know how your adhd affects you if you can accept that that's the adhd and it's not going to go away and you can build those systems and structures around yourself to to help you you're unstoppable there's absolutely nothing you can't do uh and some of these stories that i've listened to i i I've had a couple of of recent clients oh my gosh they should write a book what they have overcome mm. and I sat with a client and listened to his story of him growing up and, and all of the things that he had to to really suffer through to survive and this man I'm looking at him and I'm thinking oh ADHD, you, ADHD has nothing on you mm. you're gonna be just mm. fine <laughs> you know you're gonna be just fine and so i think it's it's um when people start to feel hopeless or they start to feel really out of control and they're not really sure what to do get help because there's a lot of help out there there's a lot of resources out there and there's a lot of people that do want um to help there's a lot of coaches a lot of therapists podcasts um You know, lots of seminars that are throughout the year that they can check out. So um, definitely get help because it doesn't have to be that way.
1: And if folks want to find you and your show, where would they look?
2: They would go to the website at TakeControlADHD.com. Our podcast with Pete Wright is uh, Taking Control the ADHD Podcast, which you can find at any podcast podcast. Place that does podcasts. <laughs> he usually does that part. <laughs> so I'm not exactly sure that part. where they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's how you can f- find me, services, podcast, all of that. So.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us, Nikki. That was really helpful.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Appreciate it.
0: Everybody, I'm back. And just to bat clean up a bit here, the show once again is called Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. And you can find it with a quick search in your favorite podcast app, like Apple's Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you you go for your podcasts. Or just jump over to take takecontroladhd.com to learn more on the web. I have to do everything around here. Uh, there are a few things I take away from that conversation, and I say this fully aware that I'm loaded up on ADHD juice as a host of a podcast on the subject. We don't take ADHD seriously enough. It is ignored too often and far more destructive than most would ever imagine. Grand statements, I know. But I hope that you walk away from this conversation at least a little more curious about the complexities of the ADHD space and that you might be a little more aware of those in your life who are experiencing it in some way or another. I don't know how to live without ADHD, and I I love the systems that I built to help me live with it. But I know an awful lot of people whose lives are in very dark places because they don't have the same luck or circumstance or privilege that I do. I hope you'll be on the lookout for them. Dodge is up with a exercise this week taking a tip from Nikki and we're thinking about body doubles. How do you ask for help when the things that you really want to accomplish in your life are hardest? Thanks everybody for showing up. We appreciate you doing the work. See you next week.
1: Let's start with that idea that Pete and I are going to talk about in the Afterthoughts episode that can be really helpful for ADHD, but also for most everybody else. And we're going to just sort of suspend all objections to this idea for just a minute and just go with the kind of inherent wisdom in it. Here's the idea. If it's not your gift, it's not your job. Got it? If it's not your gift, it's not your job. Which means you get to look around in your life at the places where you need some help, whether you've got ADHD or not, but absolutely if you've got it. I'd like you to spend a couple weeks trying an interesting experiment. Finding the places where things just don't come naturally to you. Maybe you're somebody who has quite a lot of vision and can come up with great plans, knows great directions, but really has a hard time executing. What if just for a couple weeks, you played with an idea of, I need help with the execution. And you let yourself figure out what adjustments do you need to make to either hire somebody or ask somebody for help with the execution. Maybe you're the other way around. You're just fantastic at soldiering forward, but you're not really sure where to go. You know what? You can hire or ask for help with that too. Maybe you're pretty good at both of these, but you're having a really tough time with procrastination, applying the seat of the pants to the seat of the chair, as it was once said. And in your case, maybe you're aware of some tasks that are just kind of hanging over you. In that case, I wanted you to borrow Nikki's wonderful idea of a body double. And what you're gonna ask for is just somebody who's willing to make an appointment and show up at the same time you do and just be in your space while you take care of that task or those tasks. I want you to know exactly what it is, book an appointment, and just watch how much easier it is for you when you have some help in any of these ways and any more that come to you. That's your assignment for the next couple of weeks to play with. Looking forward to next time. Thanks, everybody.